Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to the show. This is Paradox. Hey, everybody. I'm Jimmy, and you're listening to Paradox. Coming to you from KKBG. Did, KK. you ever, did you ever go see Greater Tuna? No. You're listening to WKKK. Oh, my gosh. There you go again. KKK again, Jimbo. Oh, DDs use firearms. If we can't kill it, it's immortal. <laughs> gosh, that was a good show. Huh. So uh, the new girl started its final season this week. Huh? I'm very excited. What? We, we love the new girl in our household. That's a show? I've never heard of that. And that's why you're the old fogey on the show. Yeah, the new girl. That's why if you just watch the Andy Griffith show in a loop, you're never disappointed because it never, ever ends. You watch RFTV? Oh. What is it? What does Papa watch? RFD TV, I think. Ranch yeah. and Farm. Something. <laughs> that, uh, yeah. Yeah, the new girl's back at it. Suits is back at it. Yeah, we gave up on Suits a long time what? ago. What? Yep. Ever since I heard she gave up the show for a prince, I'm out. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see who Meghan Merkel or what they do with her character. True. I, th- I say we kill her off. Hmm. That's weird. I also last night started the first half. I'm going to watch the second half this evening of Molly's Game. You're making these show titles up. That's a movie. Oh. Do you remember the, the Olympic skier who fell and stopped skiing and then she she wrote the book Molly's Game, but then she opened up this underworld poker high-end stakes, making millions of dollars no, a year no, illegally. No, missed that. Huh. Well, Kevin Cosner's in it. One of the guys from uh, The Wires. Why are we it. talking about this? People are jogging, <laughs> and they don't. They're want getting to hear. all of my entertainment Besides, recommendations. Sneaky Pete is the show to be. Ah, I know. So we watched the first oh. episode. Do you like it? Oh my! We we've watched all. We watched three the, seasons or two. Two. We watched the second season over a weekend. <laughs> Y'all did that with The Crown, too. I know. <laughs> but you can really, do that really when good. you're 60 without kids. Yep. What or are we talking about today, Josh? Confirmation bias. We're talking about confirmation bias. And I know, I know. Jimbo, when I told him we're talking about this today, he said, what was that? Well, no. It's, it's, uh, there's a lot of denominations that they don't even go through confirmation. <laughs> they don't baptize babies. Uh, it's just this whole thing, and you know, hey, I don't go through confirmation, and Jimbo, I don't like Jimbo, anyone Jimbo, who Jimbo, does. Jimbo. So it's it's a boring title. He didn't know what he's talking about. Explain what confirmation bias is. And I couldn't actually, because I'm not the creative type. Jimbo is. I couldn't think of a better title, so I just went with what it was, which is bias towards your confirmation. <laughs> That's a psychological term that states that us human beings we look for evidence in our daily lives that support our assumptions that we currently have. The opposite is also true. We discard evidence that do not match up with our assumptions. Why in the world are we talking about that on a marriage and parenting podcast? So a couple of few years ago, 
I had a couple, and we were doing active listening, right? So you can't talk while the other person's talking. What was that? Active listening. I wasn't listening to you. And so someone talks, and then the other person has to then say what I heard you say was, and then they repeat back what they heard you say, and you go, well, no, actually, I said this. And they, okay, what I heard you say was this. You have to agree on what was said before you can then move on. So I had the guy start first, and I said, okay, sir, you start, you share. Ma'am, your job is to repeat back verbatim what he said. And so after about a minute, I stopped him, and I said, okay, let's stop there so it doesn't get to be too much. Now, ma'am, what did you hear him say? She said, I heard him say, he does not love me. <laughs> what? Whoa, what? No. I, I, see, I, what I wanted was not a commentary on what he was saying, but what the words he... Yep. She no more heard a word he said. That's a classic example of confirmation bias. We hear what we expect to hear, and we see what we expect to see. And Yeah, and I have couples all the time that will sit in my office saying, I never loved him. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm like, well, did somebody handcuff you yeah, down the aisle? That's so stupid. No. But after years, right? So after days and weeks and months of years of negative interactions with your spouse, all you see is the negative. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a cognitive those... distortion called Correct. filtering where we only let the negative through when we filter out anything positive. I was teaching a class in Virginia on adolescent counseling, and we had 28 people in the class, and then when the class was over, they had to do a, what is it when they tell you how you did? Evaluation. 27 evaluations came back. Oh, he was so funny. Oh, best teacher I ever had. I wish I had him for all my classes. And then one evaluation said, I wish we would have had a real teacher. He just read from the textbook. (laughs) And it was as though those other 27 did not exist. All I thought about was in my head trying to figure out which person it was in there that didn't like me. But that's classic filtering. You filter out anything positive and you focus only on the negative, which is another way of saying confirmation bias. And I think we can all agree that we would rather have a a real podcast host sitting across from me. Yeah, absolutely. But they have you. So... We're just going to have to live with that. Mm. The problem with confirmation bias, when it comes to our arguments and conversations, not, you know, I'm looking at this more in the way we communicate with each other as opposed to more of a general, I know you kind of are looking at this in a more general sense, but the problem with confirmation bias in our communication is that it starts and perpetuates more arguments than anything. Because someone will say, say something and then their spouse will just say, I can't believe you, blah, blah, blah. I said, I didn't say that. How many? Everyone. Everyone has had that experience because they heard something that you didn't say. So confirmation bias starts and perpetuates more arguments. It causes immediate defensiveness because if I said something that I didn't think was provocative and yet it comes back at me, well, I mean, you know, it, that begins the attack, defend, attack, defend, attack, defend, the scenario. So it causes immediate defensiveness. It leads then to exasperation, where you just give up. It doesn't make any difference what I say. You're not going to accept it. Um, and then it literally prevents uh, reconciliation, forgiveness, understanding, all those things. If a negativity bias goes unchecked, it can be poisonous to a relationship. 
Recording our Paradox podcast is a labor of love. We love exploring topics important to Christian families. We love bringing you interviews with authors, musicians, and podcasters that are shaping our world. Also, Jim loves to hear himself talk. See, I've been told that my voice is mellifluous. You have no clue what that means, do you? No. We also love making thousands of dollars. I know I do, if not you, Josh. I mean, we are, I don't know if y'all know this or not, but on this podcast, we are literally taking baths in $100. Jimbo, Jimbo we, we're not making any money. And actually, as of right now, we're behind $2,500, so we're actually losing our shirts. But see, see, that's a negative confession. You seem to think that that's a problem. It's not a problem, my friend, because we have a Patreon account. Please consider supporting us on patreon.com backslash paradox. If you think the show has helped your family, if you believe in what we're doing, you can make a one-time contribution or set up a subscription. With your help, we can continue to bring healing to Christian families. That's what I call mellifry, mellifo. The word you're looking for is mellifluous. Your spouse doesn't stand a chance. When you are constantly looking, and again, these are for, for spouses that are in a negative rut, when you're constantly looking for negative from your spouse, he could be doing a hundred things over a month that are positive, but you're going to actually dismiss them and say, eh, he's just trying to get in my pants, or he's just you know, trying to butter me up for a new golf club, or whatever the case may be. Your spouse, when you do that, your spouse doesn't stand a chance, you know? hopefully as believers, we believe in redemption and we believe in change. You don't allow your spouse to change if you're constantly looking at the negative and filtering out all the positive. And your relationship, specifically your marriage, is stuck at that point. And again, we're, we're talking about marriages and confirmation bias today, but it's true of your kids. Yeah, you know, in if parenting, you have a, absolutely. If you have a kid that is notoriously negative, but he starts making some changes, you know, we can, in a lot of ways, make them feel convicted for crimes that they're not actually doing now. Mm-hmm. At that point, whether it's marriage or parenting, it kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If we only see negative, well, then your spouse has no motivation to do positive, and so they just start doing negative. Mm-hmm. Same with your kids. My solutions are very practical as opposed to Josh's. Uh, my solutions quite literally could change your life, and you might want to name one of your future children after me because of it. The first one is... You can't solve a problem that you do not realize you have. So the first thing is realize that this goes on, that confirmation bias, and I've also heard it called negativity bias, but that confirmation bias is a part of virtually every single argument that you'll ever have with your spouse. So you first, you, you, you can't solve it if you don't know that it's there. So recognize it recognize that you do it, your spouse does it, and it is in play in virtually every argument that you will ever have. The second is, is to employ that technique of active listening. It's arduous and it seems contrived, and I get all that. But when you're in an argument, say, okay, wait a second, what I heard you say was this, blah, blah, blah. And if they say, no, I didn't say that. I said, blah, 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 blah. So, okay, then what I heard you say was blah, 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 blah. That's right. Okay. It's, now, a couple of things happen when you employ that thing. First, it slows down the argument. 
We're not just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And so it can slow it down. And also we're in agreement at every step of the conversation that what's being said is what is being heard. So there's that. And then lastly, and hopefully, you know, your spouse, unless you're just at death's door in the relationship, you know, this person bore your children. This person, you know, y'all have been through life together. You've buried parents together. This person hopefully is one of, if not the closest person on the planet to you. Therefore, that should earn them the benefit of the doubt. If I hear something that's borderline negative, first I know that confirmation bias exists. And so I'm sure they didn't mean that and move along. So employee active, first know it's there, know it exists. Try to utilize the active listening technique of what I heard you say was, and then give your spouse the benefit of the doubt, unless he just called you uh, everything but a Christian. That you probably did not misunderstand. But if it's something that's kind of close, instead of assuming the negative, give them the benefit of the doubt and assume the positive. Those didn't change my life at all. After hearing that, I can see the Shekinah glory of God hovering round about your head. Spell Shekinah. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to stoop to that. I'm definitely not going to name my firstborn after you. I'll name him after me, my yes, son. Yes, you will. But not, not you. My solutions are very short, very sweet. You have to allow change, and you have to hope for change. Again, as believers, hopefully we believe in redemption, and we believe in hope, and we believe in change. You probably have experienced it in your life where you were not great at something and yet you put some effort into it and you changed. So we have to allow our spouse to change and we have to hope for our spouse to change. But we also need to match their percentage. You like that? No, I have no idea what that means. So I'm picturing a husband or wife, a spouse, ping-ponging emotionally back and forth. I... So many spouses will stay in one corner and not hope for change because they're afraid if they put an eensy bit of hope into it that they're going to get run over and hurt again. So I'm not saying throw all your eggs into and expect this person to be radically different tomorrow. You got to hope for change. You have to allow change, but don't go all the way on the other side and get your hopes up for change. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It's almost the hoping for change, but preparing for the worst. Like we we have to allow ourselves to view the change that our spouse is making. But Otherwise, there's no God. Correct. Exactly. I mean, this person is who they, I hear this all the time. You know, people are who they are. They don't change. Really? And, you know, and you go to church, what church do you go to? The first church of the pessimist? I mean, Correct. if there's a God, people change. Of course they do. But you also don't want to just see one positive movement from your spouse and immediately go into, our marriage is perfect. You know, you have to also look at this realistically, mm -hmm. I guess, ultimately, is what I'm saying for my third point. So allow change, look for change over time, be hopeful in that change, praise God for that change, really encourage your spouse when you see the positive things, um, and hopefully... You know, when we talk about there's days, weeks, months, and years that are negative, hopefully you can start to string a few days together that are positive, a few weeks and months together that are positive. Confirmation bias. It's a booger bear. Um, it is a booger bear. 
We have like three minutes. Can I share a, what a kid told me yesterday? Is it appropriate? No. Okay, good. Well, it's not on topic. Oh. It's not inappropriate. Yeah. Or Please. Appropriate. Mm-hmm. Kid I was walking around the neighborhood with the other or yesterday said, have you heard about April 18th? And I'm like, like, you know, six days from now? And he was like, yeah, man. Uh, aliens are coming back. Aliens are coming back? Or aliens are going to come over and, you know, take over. Like, okay, you know, what have you been smoking one and two? Tell me about it. And so he goes on this rant of some guy that got an encrypted message on Twitter, and it shared the coordinates of the Malaysian flight that went down a few years back. And on this encrypted message, he was able to use military coding to... (laughs) Uh, so I come back and I'm like, okay. Um, and but I Google it, but there's actually this out there. A thing isn't that crazy? I saw a couple of tweets on there have been numerologists saying that the second coming is coming on the 18th of April or the 24th. Well, it's, that's important, Jim. Well, it is. Which date I don't is miss it? it? Which date is it? But something like that. And any to any time someone says they're a numerologist, I tend to run the other direction. They said, because that means that Jupiter and Mars are in alignment. And of course, Jupiter represents the Pentateuch. And it's like, what? Okay, that's where you lost me. So yeah. So April 18th. Get ready. Or the 24th. Also. If you survive the aliens on the 18th. Then you will see Jesus on the 24th. Hold on, because Jesus is coming on the 24th. And also, it's April 16th through 20th. It's like the craziest week of the year. Really? Have you ever heard of this? Nope. Branch Davidian Compound. Mm -hmm. Columbine. Virginia Tech. Titanic went down, Chernobyl happened, Hitler was born during this week or this next week. The great San Francisco either earthquake or flood happened during the third week of April. Abraham Lincoln was assassinated the third week of April. All these... And aliens are coming. <laughs> yes, and I'm like, all right, you're crazy, but let me tell you about April 16th through 20th. <laughs> it kind of confirms what you're talking and about. And then by uh, April 20th, 420... It all goes up in smoke. <laughs> Isn't that crazy about the third week of that April? It is weird. I know. Everybody goes loony during the third week Bizarre. of April. All right. So if you want more information about this show, it's paradoxpodcast.com. You can find all of our socials there as well. We hope you have a great day. See ya. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to ParadoxPodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. Every parent that's ever walked the face of the earth has been there. Kids will say the darndest things, and they'll say the darndest things at the darndest times. So tell us a little bit about your book. Well, like you said, it comes out in April, and I guess the main reason that I wrote it is because I do speak across the country, and and as a national speaker, I've listened to parents all over the country express their heartache over their inability to tame the tongues of their children. And so many of them have have read the books, and they've tried the advice, but they just kind of remain frustrated because it didn't seem to work. And so what I really wanted to do, and I can't believe you just said that, is expose some of those faulty child training methods, which fail to reach the heart, and really equip parents with biblical principles and provide them with a sort of toolbox 